You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with Latham Thomas. She's the author of the new book that I'm officially calling my spiritual guide for 2018. Hey there, it's Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com where we chase purpose, not money. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait for you to hear this interview. Now, let me first tell you this. I know that it's such a big claim to call something your spiritual guide, but man, when I reached out to Latham on Instagram about interviewing her for the podcast, I've met her in person. I think that she has such a bright light and... um like she just left such an impression on me. So I knew that the book would be good, but honestly, I did not think I would devour it in about the nine days that I had to prepare in the midst of all the other stuff, of course, that I had going on. Not only did I devour it, but it really shifted a lot for me personally. And it's just one of those things that I really do feel like it has to stay on the nightstand or in the drawer next to my bed because I'm going to need to, want to, have to reference Own Your Glow. The name of the book is Own Your Glow over and over and over again. And so, man, this is a conversation I'm telling you. You just, you have to be here. Clearly you're here already, but if you don't get to the end, I just want to encourage you to come back and listen to it fully. Um, The book is changing my life as we speak, honestly making me so much more intentional about just self-care and the time that I take for myself and how I incorporate that. And you already know the faith pillar is so huge around here. So is the space pillar. If you're new to Redefining Wealth, you definitely want to go check out uh, the first six or so episodes because I take you through the six pillars of Redefining Wealth. And you'll really get a chance to see why all of these are so important in building wealth. Because here, we really believe that wealth is about well-being first and foremost, and that money is a byproduct of you taking care of you and the things that really matter. And when I tell you, man, own your glow, Latham did her thing. Like this book, we could pick it apart, rearrange it, and it is redefining wealth. But it's like the actual habits and practices and rituals and prayers and meditations and man, just it is so rich. So enjoy this conversation. Before I forget, please subscribe and shout out to those of you who are just coming back week after week. By the time that you actually hear this interview, we'll be well over 11, possibly 12,000 downloads. And it's been like six weeks. And I posted on Instagram that it's not even, honestly, the number of downloads as much as it is the feedback, like the direct messages, the reviews. I see people like sharing it randomly, not even tagging me, but I'll just see someone share it with someone else or, man, the the messages about how this podcast has lifted someone out of depression. And I'm not making any type of claim like that, but this is what two different people have sent me that they felt depressed, they were really down, and they came across the podcast or they listened to an episode and it was something that was so soothing that moved their spirit. We're listed under business. (laughs) That was not even intentional on my part, but I guess because I'm technically a personal finance expert in my real career path that... It would make sense that my partners at iHeart would list it that way. But I mean, the people who have come here thinking that it would be one thing and then ending up on a whole nother path, I've received emails from people who are like, this is the best faith-based podcast. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, we're listed under business, right? But you know what? To me, it really doesn't matter what we're listed under. I am so grateful for you. If you've been attracted to this and you have felt the urge to subscribe and download and keep listening and sharing and commenting and reviewing, and I'm just grateful for you, man. I honestly am. And I just thank you for your support. And I just look forward to seeing where this will go and how this community will grow. So make sure you join me on patricewashington.com in particular. If you have any feedback for Latham, 
about this podcast episode, please make sure you go find it there on patricewashington.com and leave a comment and tell us what you thought, okay? So without further ado, let me read her bio and get ready because this is an amazing, amazing interview. All right. So here we go. Latham Thomas, aka Glow Maven, is a celebrity wellness lifestyle maven and birth doula, transforming not only how women give birth to their babies, but how they give rise to the best version of themselves. Named one of Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100, an enlightened group of leaders elevating humanity with their work, Latham is helping women embrace optimal wellness and spiritual growth as a pathway to owning their power. She is the founder of Mama Glow at mamaglow.com, a lifestyle brand and highly regarded website offering inspiration, education, and holistic services for expectant and new mamas. She's a graduate of Columbia University and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Latham serves on the Tufts University Nutrition Council. She's a best-selling author of Mama Glow, a hip guide to your fabulous abundant pregnancy, and a go-to wellness guide for expecting mothers endorsed by Dr. Christine Northrup, Dr. Mark Hyman, Christy Tarlington Burns, and more. Latham's highly anticipated second book, Own Your Glow, A Soulful Guide to Luminous Living and Crowning the Queen Within, debuted September 2017 on Hay House. Having cultivated her wellness practice over nearly a decade, she has served as a doula and lifestyle guru for celebrity clients, including Alicia Keys, Deborah Lee, Rebecca Minkoff, Tamara Mowry, DJ Khaled, Venus and Serena Williams, and more. Latham's leading a revolution in radical self-care, teaching women everywhere to mother themselves first. She was named one of the top 100 women to watch in wellness by Mind Body Green and has been featured in Fast Company, Wall Street Journal Magazine, Forbes, Self, Essence, and more. Latham has graced the covers of New York Family Magazine, Experience Life, and I could just go on. She's the proud mother of a 14-year-old DJ prodigy and entrepreneur, DJ Falano. Without further ado, here's Latham Thomas. Latham Thomas, welcome to Redefining Wealth. Thank you so much for having me, Patrice. No, you don't understand. They, I don't think the people understand what we have gone through. <laughs> to make yeah. this interview happen, everything that could happen has happened. And that's mm-hmm. how I know that we are in for something amazing. Just absolutely yes. amazing. And I have to start by saying... To you, Latham, that ever since I met you, first time I met you at the taping of the round in mm-hmm. Harlem. And for those of you that don't know, round the round is a show on Centric TV, mm-hmm. and it's basically like TED Talks for Black women. Yep, invited these you know high achieving Black women to come, and in like what is it, eight minutes or something? Something. Girl, short. it was so ridiculous how short it was. <laughs> something short, but if you are impactful, you don't need an hour. Like that's right. you just hit it, and that's essentially what I think a lot of us learned is how to really increase impact and decrease time. And so it's like TED Talks for women, for Black women in particular. And I was one of the last women to be added to the group. And so I came in, they brought me on. Someone unfortunately couldn't do it. Well, fortunate for her, because I think she was going to the White House. And I was like the replacement person. Last minute, I had a week to kind of pull it together and and get my stuff. And I I was really feeling kind of like crazy lady. And I had just done the Steve Harvey talk show and I was speaking somewhere and leaving there to speak somewhere else. And there was a lot going on in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. Have you ever just met someone who was like a breath of fresh air? For me, in the midst of all that crazy, that was you, Latham. And I I just got to tell you that yesterday, but I had to tell you again. Such a sweet spirit. So that's why when I saw you post on Instagram... (laughs) about own your glow, which I have to tell you, I'm calling this like my spiritual guide for 2018. Like this is the thing I'm telling you, I cannot put it down. I was waiting for you to get on and still reading. I'm determined to read every single page of this book. And it is just that impactful. And I don't say that to gas you up. 
it is life-changing work. And so, man, thank you for taking the time and going through all the hoops <laughs> that you have jumped through because I really believe that the audience is going to, man, fall in love with you like I have. So thank Aww. you for being Thank you so much. That means so much to me to hear that. And just as someone like you who is deeply accomplished and also deeply grounded, it really does mean a lot to hear those words. So thank you too. Uh, Absolutely. And redefining wealth is still kind of relatively new to my audience. So for over like the last about year and a half or so, I just kept feeling that tug, you know, mm-hmm. when your gut is like, you need to shift. And we're mm-hmm. like, I'm trying to pivot. You're like, but God, I'm good right here. Mm-hmm. I do well, people know me for what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at the money I make. <laughs> like, right. I just want to stay. I'm good. And I just kept feeling like one shift, like, like one kind of thing after another. And everything from my site being hacked <laughs> to someone trying to take the name Real Money Answers from me, oh, wow. legal stuff. It was just one thing after another. And I was like, you know what? Surrender, which was my word mm-hmm. in the round. <laughs> it was surrender and just go with the flow. And Redefining Wealth was really packaged. I've been living it, but I didn't quite know how to express it. And I was right. kind of holding back. And so when I started to read On Your Glow, I was like, we could rearrange this and slap redefine. (laughs) (laughs) But what I love about it is that you go into the spiritual practices that really align with every pillar that we talk about. And really, in particular, space, we have a space pillar, fit, faith, like On Your Glow was all about that, but it just so nicely into the rest. So. There are three sections that guide on your glow. You call them portals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you walk us through kind of what the overarching theme is for on your glow and why you wrote it? Well, first, thank you so much for having me on the show. I wrote the book primarily. It was like, I always say that I didn't write it, that I channeled it because I really did sit and allow the work to come through. I had no idea what the book was going to be. When I first sat down, when I sat in that editorial room and I had to basically say, here's what the next book is after having written a book on pregnancy. My first book was Mama Glow in 2012. It came out. And then right after, for people who want to write books or who write books, right after you push one out, it's like, you know, a couple months later, they're like, okay, let's sit down and talk about the next one. And you're just like, uh, I'm just living in the glow of this one. Um, <laughs> you know, I just want to actually not see a book for right now or a computer or anything. But um you know, I sat in there and I had to explain what the next um, topic would be. And I had a vague grasp on what it was. It was more just like a feeling more than it was an actual concept. And I was like, I just know that it's meant to make women feel this way. I know that it's going to come through me. I do not know what it is. I can definitely tell you that this is the arc. And I was able to articulate an arc in that room pieces of which are in the book. It definitely took its own journey as it came through me. But I wrote it because I felt that in the society that we live in and in the pace that we live, that there is a shackle or a sense of hindrance and a tether that women feel around what's possible for them. So there's a ceiling to how far you can go And there's also, in in terms of how society is set up, there's a ceiling. Like you cannot go past here. This is where, this is your place. Let me remind you who you are. You're not enough. You're to this or you're to that. This that we hear, right? And there's also this fierce drive to compete and to succeed and to push and to kill it and slay and all of this, right? (laughs) Which, which to me is language of of, not of creation. It's not creation language. You know, to me, like. really get to a place of um wait like then we can't skip over that that's not creation language well it's not right when you hear somebody say like oh I'm, you're killing it and i'm like i'm actually nurturing it i don't want to hear i'm killing it you know i'm not killing anything i love you i'm actually nurturing it. i'm actually nurturing it right so i think like the languaging and just really the, the pace right so i want women to slow down and pace and embrace the pace of grace 
I want them to slow down, be able to hear their own whispers. I want them to hear their soul mantra. I want them to be able to dance with the divine. I want them to be able to feel this deep connection to everything else in the universe because we are the creative matrix. Mm-hmm. And as women, we bring forth life. We're alchemists. We transform everything that is handed to us, whether that is obviously, you know, alchemically through our bodies, you know, bringing new life. That is a set of circumstances that we were born into, that we transform. That is, you know, a relationship that wasn't working out, that we transform. That is a job that it means like so many things that we end up transforming and turning into lemonade, right? And so it's like, to me, I felt like there's a lot of books that are about, and I wasn't writing in, I would say, protest or in reaction to other books, but I was really so aware of what was happening in the ether around the women that I serve. And I was like, I'm going to speak to this, right? Because that's what was coming up. And so then I just put my fingers down and then the words came. And so I think it was really that. It was really more like a dedication and more of a a salute to the women of the world. Like I say in the beginning, like the dedication is to every single woman who ever was and who is that they deserve everything. Like we do so much and we are everything to everyone, but not acknowledged for everything that we do. And so this is an opportunity for you to acknowledge yourself, for you to peel back the layers of yourself, for you to affirm yourself, Mm -hmm. for you to take care of yourself. Because if we do that, and if each of us really does that, like really does, and we we will transform culture, we will transform the world. We will change the way that we are perceived in society. We will also change the way people respond to us, treat us, how they react to us, because all of us together will have decided that enough is enough. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's that feminine advantage. I think yes. call it in the book, right? Feminine yes, advantage. Ma'am. So break down the, the portals. Like what is the purpose of each one of the portals? Yes. So the portals are evoke, ignite, and embody. So there's three of them because I love everything in threes. And because threes, you know, some symbolize like a cycle, right? And it's not one that ever really ends. It's one that you can always come back. You can finish the book and you can find yourself repeating certain sections to really dive deeper. Also because of seasons of your life that you're going through, you might come back and find yourself, you know, even responding very differently to some of the reflections. I know. I know that that's why yeah. I'm calling it my spiritual guide for 28 because I already, I as I'm nearing the end of the book and I read it in a week and a half or so, I already can tell that in January, right. It there comes sections I'm going to have to read again because yeah. I feel like it means something right now, but because I'm going through transition, I know that it'll mean something more on the other side. On the other side. Yeah. That's right. It. That's right. So, and that's exactly what, I see as a really pivotal part of our personal growth is like women feeling like somebody's holding their hand mm-hmm. at any like transition. Somebody is usually holding your hand through birth. Like I support as a doula. And so I see this as a very intimate and uniquely feminine trait of being in community. And this is a way to be in community without like me being there, but being able to prompt you in a way it's gentle enough, but firm so that you can start to peel back the layers of self-discovery and, you know, be gentle with yourself. And so I'm the language and the way that like the, the whole journey is really designed for you to not be shocked, but to slowly start to surrender. And you use that word before, which I love so much. It is about like a giving over. And so if you can kind of like slow down and make time for it, it's like even what the book asks you to do, like lends itself to you engaging in these processes without having to make it such an effort, right? So evoke for me is like a call. So we hear you were talking about before, like so many people are like, hey, like everything's cool. Like life is good. Like I'm on my, you know, everything's good. But then you start feeling like this pull or you start 
hearing a voice mm-hmm. or you feel some symbol keeps coming up over and over or something keeps showing up in your life as a pattern over and you're like, what's that? The call. So there is a call. So evoke is to call, to bring forth, right? To summon. So you're being summoned, right? And so this is an opportunity for us to sort of check in with what's sort of calling us and really stripping the layers back on our impediments to hearing that call, right? So ignite is really like firing up and obviously igniting something is setting it ablaze. So once you have harnessed that call, harnessed like sort of the vision, then you can actually bring, give life to the vision, support the vision. And, um, and so in the uh, ignite section, we're really focused on how we can start to breathe life into the calling, breathe life into the work, actually start to unfold and do the work of, of, of that. And then embody is really about becoming. And so it is like a stepping into that you do when you embody something, you become, right? So it's not like over here, this life that I'm supposed to have or this life that I could have chosen. No, it's a life that I step into. It's a life that I claim for myself because nobody's handing that to me. I have to go yeah. give myself permission to go stand into my big girl shoes and stand in the role of an embodied woman and in the role of a woman fulfilled, right? So it is really like about not starting from the end of the book and like skipping ahead and be like, oh, like I really love this section because you miss the juicy aspects of the journey, which I talk about so much, if you don't allow yourself to go through the evolutionary stages of personal development. And everybody has a language of personal development. Like everyone has something, you know, from their unique lens to give and their, and their voice and the way they speak. So it's not that I'm saying something like, oh my God, it's so breakthrough. It's just the way that my life experience and my um, you know, lens in the world and who I am uniquely as mm-hmm. myself, I bring that into it just like you would or just like someone else would in their own way. So I think it resonates so much with people because if you're attuned to what's happening, if you're like in the pulse of the vibration, yeah. then you know what people will need. Like you can intuit what people need. And so I can anticipate the needs of other people because I'm always in a position of having to understand before they even come to me and say, there's a problem or before they even come to say, I'm in labor. I'm like, I'm already prepared. You know what I mean? Right. So this is what we do as women though. This is, a, this is something that we already have inside of us that all of us can activate. So I'm actually calling people to, to stand in that force of activation of truth and of power and to crown themselves. Not wait for somebody to tell you you're amazing and you're this right. and accolades and medals and Grammys and whatever else there is mm-hmm. that you can get right through acknowledgement. But how about acknowledgement of self, like that you're yeah. here, right? How about not wait for that, but give it to yourself now? Yeah. And I love, I love that you talk about embodying that, like being that because because self-help and personal development is such a huge industry now, like it's just exploded over the last, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years. Mm. It seems like, especially with social media, you hear about it more and more. A lot of people know what to say, but that doesn't mean that they embody it. Right. Like they've learned the cute phrases. We've mm-hmm. learned something. That doesn't mean that they embody it. And what I love about the book To your point is, yeah, I am a self-proclaimed self-help junkie. I love personal transformation and development. Mm -hmm. I have since I was like 17 years old, been reading books and, you know, just just wanting to be aware, you know, Mm -hmm. of what was not taught to me, what they didn't even know to teach, you know, Mm -hmm. how I grew up. But there's something really special about On Your Glow because of all the spiritual practices Mm. that are really outlined, you know, Mm. the ritual. So there's a lot in self-help books about what you should do. And then there's in own your glow. This is the prayer. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is how you make that tea with these particular herbs. Like I'm all sending you pictures of like, how do you say it? Dandelion? 
tea. Your dandelion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I got my tea. I don't even know how to say it. Right. I'm like, okay. You know, there is so, it's so step by step. And I'm one of those people when I learn something new, I just want to practice, like put it into practice. Yeah. I don't want to just learn to learn, to learn, to learn, which is again, why you can't embody. Like you yeah. don't embody it by learning it. You embody by doing, by being. That's right. That's you right. By walking yeah. So I consider myself to be a very spirit led person. Mm. So that means that um, much of my success, I feel like has been what some people might call impulsive mm. because it's not like there was years or months of all this planning. Like I feel something in my gut, in my spirit. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay, surrender and stop trying to fight it. <laughs> you know, like just go with it. And mm-hmm. so that doesn't always look well planned out. It doesn't always look, you know, like I was prepared, even though I do plan a lot. But yeah. I'm okay with being even flexible with the plan. Like mm-hmm. I'm okay with letting it take shape. And you say in the book, our heavy reliance on logic and rhetoric takes us out of the moments where whispers are calling us. Mm-hmm. And you talk a lot about trusting your gut and you have a unique name for it, the GPS. So yes. Can you talk about what GPS is. Yeah. So GPS is just like another way of calling your intuition. I call it glow power system just to keep with the lexicon. <laughs> but really the GPS is serves as a compass, right? And so if we think about our intuition, it serves as a compass. It serves to help us to navigate through life without having to question ourselves. But the mind is so smart, right? <laughs> that it's up, so, and you know, that it's, it, it's, it gets ahead of itself and you get ahead of yourself because you're up here like, oh, wait, but, and you're doing all of this, like, I don't know, sometimes it's like almost like you're creating a discovery. Like you're like a lawyer in your little mind and coming up with all these reasons for like why and why not and pros and cons. It's like all of this stuff which means nothing. If you really think about it, if you get down and distill what it is, things are so simple. Like the universe operates in, in duality, right? So it's like, it's either yes or it's no. It's like not, there's no between. Like God doesn't send you half of a blessing or like <laughs> half of a signal. It's like, it's clear. It's like, it's like either, it's like yes or not right now. That's what it is. Or it's like, yes, and a little later. But you just have to understand that that means like timing happens in the pace of grace. Time happens in that divine spectrum on God's continuum, not ours, right? So the intuition operates within that same spectrum as God does. In that same really like malleable time-space continuum that God operates in, which is not on a 24-hour clock. You know what I mean? Where it's like, okay, well, I want this blessing by Tuesday. Okay, you can hold your breath. I don't know. But it's like, we can't do it like that. There has to be a measure of faith, of patience. And there has to be really, like deep within you, a tether with your soul to that which you want to bring forth. Like you have to be like nurturing it from within, not just asking for it out here. You have to already be cultivating within what you're asking for, right? And not material things, but the essence of something. So if it's love, right? And you see that in the form of a relationship, like how are you being loving to yourself? Do you get up in the morning and sleep blessing on yourself? Or do you sit up here and berate your thighs and talk about how you got bags and talk about, how your hair is not this or whatever it is. Do you berate yourself? Because if you're looking for love out here in the, in the world around you, but you're not even speaking love onto yourself, then like you're not going to attract the highest potential in terms of a match for yourself. You're going you're gonna to match at your level of consciousness of where you are now, which is not where you want to be. If you are speaking in these ways to yourself, you just said so, a word, you're going to match right? your level of consciousness. That just scares somebody. Yes. <laughs> we don't want to do that. Like if we look to see what's around us and the types of things that we need to stop watching and stop engaging in and things that like pollute our consciousness. And mm-hmm. actually we, we watch these things and expose ourselves to things like through social media, through television, through magazines, gossip, whatever it is. And that just, what it does is it kind of 
fills our mind with all kinds of things. It starts to um, agitate our emotional body, mm-hmm. which then also programs our hormones. And then what happens is now there's like you're stewing in this really like soupy energy of um, negativity. And you wonder why you don't feel good. It's not just because you're thinking bad thoughts. It's like those things move through the body. So we have to be like mindful of what we consume, obviously as food, but what we consume and what consumes us. What our eyes, what our eyes touch on, what our ears. Yes, because we are taking in energy. So all this to say that that's a part of it too. If you go out there and look to all these things for examples and look to these things for entertainment or whatever it is, that's also a distraction. Mm-hmm. Right? You're on purpose. You have a purpose and you also have a mission and you also have a, a timeline and not like a timeline, like, oh, it has to start this date, this date, but meaning like there is the timeline of your life in this body that you only get this one life, this one shot, this one time, right? In this iteration of Mm -hmm. who you are. So why not like invest in trying to be your very best by using tools of self-discovery, using mindfulness, using self-care so that we can start to really give ourselves, feed ourselves what we deserve in, in terms of love some of which we may not have gotten as we grew up or that we may have been, may have been taken away from us or boundaries that may have been transgressed. We have to heal. So, so for me, it's really about like, you know, the GPS being not like a, a metaphor for a guide, but really a guide, like to check in constantly, like we do when we're in our car, even when you know where you're going. <laughs> you're in your car and you will turn your ways at and knowing where you got to go. But you turn on the ways and you're like, okay, let me just see. Why? You already know where you're going. Right. You can turn on the ways anyway, right? So here's the thing. If we were checking into our own internal GPS that we were born with, mm-hmm. as much as we check in to the GPS in a car or on the Google Maps on your phone, do you know that we would always know where we're going? Because mm-hmm. there would be a sense of knowing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. A sense of knowing. Because we will be in this constant dialogue with ourselves to ask, like, does this feel right? Let me ask myself. Someone asks of you something and you sit there. And in the moment they ask you, already you feel tense, already you feel closed off. And then you're like, oof. And then you say, okay, sure. That's your answer. Even though your body is giving you sensations like otherwise. But then it's like, oh, well, it's a good opportunity. It's like all these things that we tell ourselves because we feel the pressure to have to compete at this pace and have to complete and have to produce instead of thinking about like, what is the process that I want to engage in? How do I want to show up? What is it that I want to breathe into the world? Like not, oh, this is a good opportunity. This is this and this. Because let me tell you something. If you're dialed into your purpose, if you're dialed into your GPS, then you don't need to freaking go out and network. You don't need to show up to Hello? every party. You don't need to be at, you know, you don't need to do all these you things. You don't have to do all of that. And we watch people run around doing a million things. And a I can't think things. that you I haven't been need- guilty of it. Oh. I was there because yes. I grew up in that school of thought when I was first getting into, you know, speaking and online stuff where they said, be everywhere. You right. need to have the appearance that you're everywhere. And I ran myself ragged. Like, trying to be everywhere. Trying to be everywhere. Not only did I not focus on my vessel, the very thing that I need to execute the vision. Right. I also did not practice being present when I was in the presence of my family and the people that I love the most. The very people that I've said I was working for, I was never present. I could be there, but I wasn't with them. With them. Like mm-hmm. all the way there. Right. And I was like, you know what? I really have to take a step back. So I did. I took a step back from my business in 2015 and I didn't stop doing business. I was still speaking. I was still doing my thing, but I started to exercise that. No, like, that no, it's powerful. It's and so I, powerful. Girl, I remember what my granny used to tell me, let your yes be your yes. And your no be your no. 
That's it. It was that simple. My granny used to say, if you don't feel like doing it, just say no. Do it. Just don't do it because for whatever reason, like you said, anytime an opportunity comes my way, I've decided for myself and I have to go, eh. If it's not a yes, that is exactly in alignment with what I've been praying for, what I've been meditating on, what I said I wanted for my business. Like if it does not feel that way, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter how awesome they are. It doesn't matter what you get from me. Everything is just, it's just not a yes. Really see the fullness of what gets you to wealth because it's not chasing money, right? It's, it's not chasing not anything. It's not about chasing people down, chasing opportunities, mm-hmm. beating that annoying person at the networking event that's shoving your card in people's face Mm-mm. with no explanation of who you are, what you do, or how you can serve, right? It's not about that. You no. really don't have to do all of that. And what Mm-mm. I love. I was telling you before this week, it's funny. It's actually just divine. I shot a video called how to create your sacred space Yes. in August. I shot it in August and because of partnerships and one thing after next, we kept rearranging videos, rearranging them. And then it ends up falling on this week, which coincidentally is the same time that you and I were able to to do this. And so one of the, the reasons that I really wanted to talk about a sacred space is because when I get that urge, mm-hmm. we're all human, right? To, okay, I'm going to do this because dot, 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 fill in whatever, you know, mm-hmm. fill in the reason or the rationale. Yeah. One of the ways that I check myself is getting in my sacred space and being still, being That's quiet. right lighting candles, getting comfy, getting my prayer Mm -hmm. journal out, like all of those things, like doing my process and just being still Mm -hmm. and reminding myself that you are not here to chase money. No. Really? What do you really want to do? And listening to my breath, listening to my body and letting my body tell me whether or not this is something we want to do. Yeah. And I usually come out with a yes or a no. And it is very clear. There is no dot, dot, dot. There's no explanation. There's no reason. There's no trying to explain myself. It's either yes or no. That's it. How appropriate that (laughs) to have this conversation with you as we talk about sacred spaces. So that's why I really tapped into wanting to have a sacred space and getting away, like you said, from the noise and distraction. Because mm-hmm. I literally, like, them. I went and unfollowed about seven, 800 people on Instagram. Good. Because I wanted to control as much as I could what I allowed in my space. That's right. Yeah. And on Facebook, right? And mm-hmm. get clear, which is how I saw your post. Because had I had all those people on there, I might have missed yours looking mm-hmm. at foolishness or allowing dumb stuff <laughs> to come down my feed, right? That's right. And so that sacred space for me was about getting away from the distractions of the world, mm-hmm. um, things that I look for and things that I had no idea were coming, um, and just tapping into that. So can you talk a little bit about just sacred spaces? I think one, I think you call them dream spaces too. Mm. Um, what does that entail and why is it so important in being able to own your glow? Yeah, so to me sacred space is really just anywhere that you go to charge yourself. So you know how we have these iPhones and then we plug them into the wall and then we like hover and we watch how like the little sign batteries oh, and then it kind of comes back in. You're like, oh yes, you know, but it has a space. It has a socket that it goes into. We know like anytime we go someplace, we know where the outlets are, Right. It's like the first thing we look for. Right for our phone. Now, think about if you did that for yourself. So Mm. when you walk into any space, if it's your home, your office, a hotel, a taxi, a train, under a tree someplace, like where can you create a space that you charge with energy, that you stir up and evoke an energy that you create a ritual and you embed it in that space. So that can be anywhere. But what I love is when we have places that we return to and we charge these places 
with a certain energy. And then it becomes a place that we come to all the time. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes a sacred and devotional space because then we show up to that all the time and to do whatever that thing is, whether it's prayer or meditation or yoga or journaling, whatever you do in that place, you charge it with the energy of that, of, of that which you're doing there, which is why when you go into churches and, and spiritual homes, there's always a certain energy that you feel when you come into one of those places that you didn't yeah. feel when you showed up. And it's because every single person that enters into that space comes to do the same thing over and over and over. So it breathes and holds a certain type of energy. So we can do this. We don't have to be in a church. We don't have to be anywhere in particular, and we can create these spaces. Another way that we can also bring these spaces into our regularly, not just like okay, I have to buy all this stuff and make it this way and rebuild my house. Like you don't have to like make it, it can just literally be a corner that yeah. you build them at, or it can literally be an area under your desk or yeah. whatever. it can be such a small little space that you charge with this energy. And you can bring things, you can bring found objects, you can bring seashells or little candles or crystals, crystals things that like mean something for you in your personal life. Maybe there's a totem or a picture of a ancestor, a family member, or someone that you really look up to, like in terms of their legacy, dead or alive. And there's all these, these things that you can do to create an energy where you feel safety, security, and a sense of being unobserved yeah. um, so that you can practice whatever it is that you're going to practice. And so I just think that for women, we need to recharge ourselves as much as we charge up these iPhones, as much as we run around and find spaces for our phones to be on a hundred. We need to, we need to look at like, okay, how can I walk into this space and do my devotional practice or do my self care? How can I just do that right here where I am right now? And that can be anywhere. So you just have to really for yourself, figure out like what's going to make me feel grounded. For me, I like my little things. So when I travel, it's like I have my candles, I have my incense, I have my diffuser. I have, I like, I have a whole thing. People think I have a seance going on when they come clean the room <laughs> at the hotel. But, you know, I have all my little things that I need, right? And then I, and then I do my little practice and I feel grounded. I don't do anything before I do that. If I don't meditate, if I don't pray, I'm not feeling myself. So I have to create space for that. And how I do that in places that are not familiar to me is by bringing things that remind me of my home or bringing things that remind me of my little space that I created for myself and that I've cultivated so that it travels with me. So you can think about how, what that looks like for you. And it's not always going to be this like fuzzy, beautiful space. It might literally be like, this is a blanket that my grandmother gave me and I'm just going to wrap myself in this Mm. and I'm sitting on this train and I'm going to pray. You can create a space wherever so I think the most important thing is not feeling like you have to go buy stuff or, and that it's not possible if you don't spend this kind of money or you right. can join this program. It's really not that. It's really more about dialing in and asking yourself these questions about where do I feel most safe? Where do I feel most nurtured? How do I cultivate this feeling constantly so that it's a refresh that I'm constantly, when I sit down here, it's like hitting control, all delete and rebooting myself spiritually, right? So that's what it's really about. And you can create an altar, you can do a bath. There's all kinds of great practices and and different rituals that I give that you can sort of engage in at your level of comfort because it's really about what feels good for you and not feeling weird or like I'm trying this thing out that doesn't feel really good. You have to sort of engage at your level of spiritual fitness, like wherever you are, what feels good. It's kind of like when you go to the gym, you're not going to like pull 2,000 pounds of weights. You're, you know, like for me, I'm doing like the 10 pound weights or whatever, you know, I'm doing the weights that work for me, but, but what works for me doesn't work for necessarily the next person. So we might be talking about things, Patrice and I, that really work for us and that make us feel really good and just like charge us up in a second. But for someone else, it might be like, whoa, that's a lot. I was brought up in this kind of household and we don't mess with crystals or we don't mess with the moon or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I want you to find the things that really kind of work for you and try everything. Mm -hmm. But at your level of comfort, I want you to engage in self-inquiry around the process so that you can really right away dial into like what kind of space you need to feel like you're anchored. You know what I started with, which was really simple? My favorite baby picture of myself. 
Oh. I put it in a really pretty frame. If you go to how to create sacred space on my YouTube page, it's just, I think, Patrice Washington on YouTube. How to create a sacred space, you'll notice this picture. I don't think I reference it in the video, but it's there. And when I first started kind of creating my own little space, my own little altar, this one's mm-hmm. in my closet, I, I really felt connected to that picture because even growing up, I would look at it and think, like, what would she do? Or like, what? like, because she has no knowledge of, you know, what could happen and all these thoughts of doubt and shame and guilt and embarrassment. Mm-hmm. And I always keep it there. So I just look at it and go like, man, you were born to be the solution to someone's problem or, you know, you deserve this. And I can see it more in that little girl and her big brown eyes than sometimes I could see in myself. Mm-hmm. And so for years, that has been one of those things. So to your point, like if it's not about the candles and all this stuff or whatever, I asked the question on Instagram, actually, where do you go to unplug on purpose? Mm-hmm. read some of those answers. I love how my Instagram community just shows mm-hmm. up and they answer the questions. Thank you so much. If you've shared and please go and share. Like people are saying by a lake under my favorite tree in the park mm-hmm. near my house, mm-hmm. by wrapping up in my favorite blanket mm-hmm. and sitting by the fireplace. Okay. Like, you can literally take yourself wherever you want. But the point is to be mindful yeah. about the need to be still Mm-hmm. Be there. Yeah. Just be there and yeah. get away from all that other stuff. And that takes me to another place where I really enjoyed in the book about kind of tapping into um, getting away from all this feeling of having to be on supercharge and overproductive. You talked about giving ourselves time to play. Yeah. Why is that so important? I believe that pay, play is an important pathway to creativity and that enjoy, but also to inspiration. So all of the tech companies that really invest in their knowledge workers have like a floor dedicated to play. Mm-hmm. Like they'll have ping pong and video games and all these different things, but mainly like things that take you offline off the computer so that you're, you know, using your body or different parts of your brain. They have space for doodling and and painting, things like that. Scooters and just like stuff that you can be like really a kid. Mm -hmm. And they do this because they have seen the importance of lending space and also surrender, like allowing people to get out of their thinking brain, into their primal brain, their child brain, to be able to summon forth creativity and new ideas. Mm-hmm. So I see it as a really important aspect of our personal growth mm-hmm. to allow ourselves the space to play. Now, play looks different for everybody. I love still like, I mean, I wish I had the toys that I had when I was growing up. I love dolls. I love dollhouses. I love toys. I was actually last night with one of my doula clients um, who's on her third baby and her kids, who they have like a little play loft. Mm-hmm. They used to be their dining room. They just transformed it into a play loft. Because they're like, you know, we only use a dining room like once a month. Like, let's just move the table out, get these kids in here. And I hung out in that loft with them. And we just played and wrestled and made Lego, like <laughs> subway trains. And so it was crazy. But at the same time, it was like, for me, like a really important opportunity to just not be like checking email, responding to stuff, texting, deadlines. Like I was just able to be with these kids. And for everyone, we need to have, like when we're with our nieces and our nephews or our children, like we have these moments where we're just like, oh my God, that was amazing, right? Like you're just listening to even the things that kids say. Their whole job is to play. Like that's all they're supposed to be doing, right? And then we at a certain point unlearn how to play. We learn that like it's, oh, it's not productive. This is childish as if childish means something negative. Right. Childish is like the most powerful thing you could be really because children are completely pure. And then we get like, you know, they like they're on mission and then we take them off mission and filter them through this world and they have to find their way back. So childish is not like a diss actually. If somebody's called you that. <laughs> but, but anyway, I think that we have to use the pathway of play and pleasure as a way to awaken in ourselves 
some of our latent creative energies, as well as to transform that energy into and thrust it into actual like production or actual process. And what that means is looking at the most primal of our urges, which is really pleasure and creative energy, creative energy really runs the planet, right? Runs and fuels the universe because creative energy is what drives us to even become, procreate. And so you think about procreation and recreation, those words are really close, right? They both have the word creation in them. And, but it's the same kind of force minus obviously the sexual aspect Mm -hmm. of, you know, procreation, but the force of bringing something new, of being able to like envision or see something new or cultivate something new. Like you need to create space for that. And you need to take, take people out of their thinking processing. You know, if you're thinking about intimacy, you're not in your head when you're being intimate. If you are, then you're not. That's not good. <laughs> like if you're thinking about your taxes while you're, you know, with your man or your woman or whatever, then you ain't experiencing intimacy. Like you're multitasking, you're doing something else, doing your checklist, but you should be in the moment, right? And so the same thing with play, it's like, it's in the moment, you're not like consumed with other things and you kind of lose track of time and you ascend out of your thinking brain, which is like in this bigoted brainwave state, and you move into what's called alpha brainwaves and you're able to now connect with like this other energy, which is more like this state that you're in when you're meditating, when you're daydreaming, when you're doodling, when you're running, you get to that place where you're in the runner's high, when you're deeply aroused, like all of that's the same plane that you're in. And so you want to get to that and you get to that actually when you get out of like this spreadsheet and then allow yourself to go play Frisbee outside or you allow yourself to go and like have a tickle party with like your two-year-old or, you know what I mean? Like you get out of that. And so I see it as like also a way to reboot so that once you finish, you know, you can come back to what you're doing, have a new recharged and new sort of lens on what you're doing. And also to think about it like this, when you have that time that you take to yourself, do not use it to scroll through Instagram and go on social media. Play (sighs) is not about, okay, I'm taking time for myself, quote unquote, I'm going to go do this, scroll. That takes up so much cognitive energy. It is not a break and it is not good for you. It is not healthy. Like you can do those things because we have to engage in the world and whatever. However, that is not considered play. So take that off of your list if you're like, oh, well, that'll be my break. That's not a break. Really, a break is actually taking yourself away from the tether of technology and engaging in ways that you're not usually engaging so that you can use other aspects of your brain and also slow down, right, as you engage in something that's not thrusting you forward into the world. And in that time, you can be in you can be in total process and be available to messages that are coming, whispers that are falling, the aha moments when you're doing these things. I was talking like the other day, somebody about like how it's always when you're riding your bike or in the shower or doing something where you don't have a pen and paper because because you're hanging out and having fun that you don't have the opportunity to write down this great idea that came or a solution to something comes because you're playing or you're doing something pleasurable. You know, you're baking a cake and all of a sudden it's like this idea comes. So you got to make space for that magic. And you cannot do that if everything is about productivity and everything is about put your head down, grind it out. You cannot do that and sustain and actually be like a person who feels like every day they wake up and they're like, I'm so excited about life. You can do that and be successful in some ways, but fulfilled, you got to give yourself some space to really like experience pleasure to have real fulfillment. Yeah, that's good. One of the ways that I do that is by coloring. I love coloring. A good adult coloring book. (sighs) And since reading the book, I was thinking about what are those things that I would do as a kid that I really got lost in. I love your fill in the blanks, by the way. Mm. I love a book that you can really work through. Yeah. I was sending my husband like screenshots of these pages. Ah! You do this and I'm going to do it too. And 
one of the things that I remember too is that I was really great at sketching, like freehand. Me too. Me too. And I haven't done it in years, but I was so good at it, like really good. And I don't know if I, you know, lost it per se. I just haven't exercised it. But I was like, man, what would it look like to take like a little sketch class or something? Like and just get back into that. Um, and I'm pulling out my uh, coloring books. I have some really cool adult coloring books that I love and my beautiful color pencils I got for Christmas. Yes. You know, I love to color. I'm like, just as a reminder, when I feel block or stuck, you know, sometimes oh, like, mm-hmm. oh, just color, go, go color. that. And just it's color. easy to get yeah. distracted. Girl, so much stuff here. So maybe we'll have to do this again sometimes. I'm going to let you have, you know, all your other interviews and stuff. But before we get out of here, what we do is called the Redefining Wealth General kind of rapid fire questions, if you will. So I'm going to ask you some stuff you may may not have known and you can just say what comes to mind. Okay. Like, so first question is, how do you define success? I define success uh, based on my happiness, comfort, and how much time I'm able to spend with my family. Mm, yeah, that's good. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Impact, the, the high touch, like the depth of mm-hmm. being able to reach people, like how deeply you can reach people and, and, and help impact them. And then I would say health would be the other piece of it, like really having health, just being well in body, mind, and spirit, integration. Mm-hmm. That's good. What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Oh, that's a good one. I read this book once called Money, A Love Story, mm-hmm. which, yeah, which was really by Kate Northrup. It had a lot of things like that you and I will talk about in terms of, of like feeling and our ideas and things that we were brought up with around, around money. And it also talked about how the womb space and this, this lower part of our body is the center for sex, money, and power. And mm-hmm. so she talked about how, you know, how we block off this area and how we're constricted in this area. And so she used kind of like the body language and things that felt really, um, for me, my language, right? Yeah. So yeah. So I would say money a love story because of the cadence of yeah. how it was communicated. Oh, we have to look that up and put it. That's link. a good one. That yeah. also sounds good. Yeah. Okay. And fill in the blank. My name is, and for me, the truth about wealth is. Mm. My name is Latham, and for me, the truth about wealth is that it's attainable for everyone. It is your birthright. Mm, you know I love that, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have an affirmation. I always say prosperity is my birthright. It is. It is. I love that. Mm. Oh, I could talk to you forever. Girl, I know, right? You gotta go. (laughs) You gotta go too. So much for being with us. I told him it was gonna be good, and you did not disappoint. Thank you, my (laughs) dear. (laughs) Thank you, my darling. I appreciate you. Thank you for your work and just all that you do and for blessing us and answering your calling because we're all blessed because of it. Thank you for being able to multiply the blessings for all of us. I told you it was going to be good, right? Like Latham is amazing. Do you know we have the audacity to keep talking? (laughs) Like I ran late to my interview and she was late to do what she has to do. But when you find, again, like people who are so in alignment with what you stand for, own your glow. I'm telling you, this book is phenomenal. Ladies, go and get it. Gents, go and get it for the ladies in your life. 
Give us the gift of honoring ourselves. That's what you're going to do when you get that book. I'm so blessed to have read it, and it is something that I plan on going back to over and over again. So if you feel enriched, if you feel blessed like I do, go to patricewashington.com, click on the listen page, find Latham's interview, and leave us a comment. Let her know what you thought. Let her know that you're getting the book, if you have the book, what you've learned from it. Really phenomenal stuff really phenomenal. I just feel so good. I love doing this podcast. Oh my gosh. Wanting to get this message of redefining wealth out to the masses is really taking me to a level you guys, I can't even explain just on the inside. Like I just feel so incredibly blessed to be able to have these conversations and share them with you. So You know what my commitment is. I am here to make sure that we live our life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. So thank you for joining me again. Make sure you leave a review or five stars. You know, I'm just saying. And I'll see you next time.